This is Focal Point for Thursday, the 24th of September, 2009. How to Behave Online, Part 2. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm happy. I'm happy. Enjoying myself and looking forward to this to this episode of Focal Point, Chris, because it's a continuation of the one that we started a couple of weeks ago, which is how to behave online. And these, um, based on an article that we read in Wired that you pointed me to, which are, are new rules for behaving online. Because of course, now that people are using social media and online tools a lot more, some of the things that worked in in face to face conversations uh, apply, but there may be some new rules as well. And we we We've picked 13 out of the about 30 that the Wired article had, and we covered six of them in the previous podcast, so we'll include a link to that episode in the podcast notes in case you missed that one. And today we're going to cover seven more, and these seven are more related to social media, so things like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. It's sometimes called social media, sometimes social marketing, sometimes social networking. So we're going to cover them today. All right, we're going to take it in turns, but I think the first rule we were going to cover was one that you've got something to say about. Yes, and so that the way that wide put this, which I think is an interesting one because this is one that despite being pretty familiar with social media and social networking, I hadn't thought about before. And the rule was stated like this, don't blog or tweet anything with more than half a million hits. So it's, it relates to viral marketing. That you think that stuff that you that you come across, that you like, you should blog and or tweet uh, anyway, and what Wired's saying is that if it's already popular, don't blog or tweet it. And the, the rationale behind that was that things that are viral, they rise quickly, but they also fall pretty quickly. So if you're, if you're a tiny bit behind the crowd, you'll be seen as out of touch. And I don't necessarily completely agree with that because you might have access to networks that other people don't, but I, I do get their point and I hadn't thought about it that way. And it certainly makes sense that if you are going to blog it or tweet it or forward that email to all your friends, um, that you shouldn't start off by saying, hey, here's something fabulous that I just came across, when it may be a, a, a fairly old story and old in internet terms now could just mean weeks or, or months old or even days old if it's, if it's very popular. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so that means I'm not going to be forwarding the Dancing Baby video anymore. Yes, and I, mean, I think you should remind people about the Dancing Baby, Chris, because there'll be quite a few people listening to this who won't remember the Dancing Baby video. That's right. It's ancient history in, uh, in internet terms, isn't it? It's, it's it well is. over a couple of weeks old. It's just <laughs> a, a, a stupid video someone put together of uh, a computer-generated animation of a baby doing, was it the Macarena, I think it might have been? <laughs> so that, that dates it, doesn't it, because it was the Macarena, another yes. bit of, of viral dance that uh, went around, I don't know, was it a decade ago now? Yeah, I think at least, at least. Yeah, yeah. but again, it was viral. It was one of these things that just got passed around uh, um, just in huge numbers, and there were various different variants of it as well that were generated, um, and it was kind of annoying by the time um, everyone had seen it three or four times. Yes, that's right. And I'm, I'm curious to know, Chris, what's your opinion on this particular rule? Don't blog or tweet anything with more than half a million because you know, you'd be seen as out of touch if you're a little bit behind the curve. Yeah, it depends how important uh, being seen as being out of touch is. So I'm, I'm kind of started to play this rule 50-50. I use Bitly when I um, post links to uh, Twitter, and that allows me to actually see how many hits it's got. And previously, I didn't pay any attention to that. I just posted if I thought it was... Um, 
uh, interesting or not. And now I can see whether it's uh, had lots of hits already. And some of the ones that have already got uh, thousands of um, thousands of hits already, I don't bother um, passing on. And those that have got lower numbers, then um, then I usually post those. But when it comes to my blog, I'll post anything that's funny, Gihan, no matter how old and corny a joke it is, as you very well know. Yes, yes, I know that we can certainly tell that from experience. <laughs> but given that I submit some of the jokes, oh, no, those are the new and current ones. Absolutely. Yours are gold. <laughs> um, my, well, my experience with that, and I, as I said, I hadn't thought about this before, but I think on reflection, what I do is that things that are relevant for my clients, I will post, and I don't take any, I don't take any notice of this rule, because quite often, my clients don't necessarily, haven't necessarily come across this, and they're kind of relying on me to be the person who's at the leading edge and picks up these things and filters them and only sends to them what's relevant, and they may have deliberately not received those sort of things before, so I'm happy to pass them on. In my personal life, so on Facebook with my Facebook friends, I tend not to pass on things like that. And in fact, I get more of those things from other people than I than I pass on without having seen them before. So I find a, a distinction between the way that I treat my personal network and my business network. I think also, Gihan, when it comes to your business network, a lot of those um, things that you post are a, an archive or a resource that uh, makes it convenient for uh, your your clients to come back to um, a long time in the future when they think, oh, now what was it that Gihan said about X? Um, they, they've just got one point of uh, reference that they need to go to to find that rather than um, because you posted it, even though it might have been uh, quite popular at the time, uh, they can go there and find it. You're right, Chris, you're right. And often when I post those sort of things, to my network, I'll add commentary to it. If I was posting the Dancing Baby video, it wouldn't just be to show to show off the video, but I'd add a comment about viral marketing or how to do internet marketing or how somebody had ex- exploited this cleverly. Mm-hmm. So that's additional value, which hasn't been dated because the video was old. Yep. yep. Great. Okay, so let's move on to the next one, Chris, which I think is one that, that you've got comments about. Yeah, so the next rule was there's no such thing as too many friends. So the idea that Wired was putting forward was that when it comes to building social networks on social media sites like Facebook and LinkedIn, that, you know, friend practically everyone, make as many connections as you can, and then that uh, gives you a much more uh, connected network and that power plays into your hands. So I think I disagree with this rule because I don't think it generally applies to the different kinds of uh, social media websites. Each of them serves different purposes and different audiences, and it's not necessary to have a a hugely connected network on something like Facebook, where I think uh, the focus should be a a close network of family and friends, whereas on a website such as LinkedIn, a professional website, then perhaps that's a better place to be making as many connections as possible for professional purposes. I agree with that, Chris, and I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right that a tool like Facebook is primarily for for a closed network and it's for internal networking, whereas a site like LinkedIn is by design and by nature and by intent is for external networking. So the idea is to create lots of connections and so therefore you should connect to lots and lots of people, not not necessarily to everybody, but to, to lots of people. And one of the things that that this point does make is that when it says there's no such thing as too many friends is in some ways with with a network like LinkedIn, sometimes those weak links of so the people that you're not connected to directly or don't know, don't even know personally can be 
as powerful or even more powerful than your strong links. And there's some social psychology research that, that supports this. It's a, I think it's called the strength of weak ties or the power of weak ties. Um, I'll find a link to that and include that in the, in the podcast notes. And they make the point that if you're doing something like looking for a job, then asking your friends who they know who might be able to employ you may not be as valuable as asking casual acquaintances. And that's counterintuitive at first, but it makes sense because your friends are likely to know the same people that you do. Therefore, you've probably already mined their networks, whereas if you have casual acquaintances, they might introduce you to somebody who's outside that network who could be valuable to you. So I think you make a good point that you don't apply that rule across the board. It's yeah. not something you should take literally. You decide in which network it makes sense. All righty. Shall we move on to the next one? Yeah, please. Okay, so the next one's one of mine, and the, the rule that Wired, uh, the guideline that Wired gives is they say, ignore your ex on Facebook. In other words, if your ex tries to connect to you on Facebook, don't friend them. Now, I'm not saying whether this is good or bad advice, and uh, some people will choose to connect with their exes and some people won't, but I like the issue that it raises, that, that uh, an ex is somebody who, Perhaps this is the, the it becomes sharpest, where you might naturally be accepting invitations from everybody that you know on a on a network like Facebook without thinking about the consequences, and you might be doing that in a way that you would have thought about it in in the real world in a face to face network, but you may not think about it online. So, for example, if you're in contact with your ex in real life. That doesn't mean necessarily that you invite him and her to everything that you're involved with. Now, that's obviously true in the offline world, but in the online world, you may just simply just add them as a friend without thinking about who else now gets access to, A, knowing that they're still friends with you, and B, you know, they can see you can, uh, other people can see their photos, they can see other people's photos, maybe your current partner or other people who are in your network. You may not just think about the consequences of that. Yeah, okay, because it's a, more of a level playing field on Facebook where all friends are considered to have the same status. Well, Facebook does allow you now to put friends into different groups and allow you to partition what people what different circles of friends have access to. But it doesn't necessarily mean that just because the facility is there that everyone's using it. Whereas in the offline world, of course, you, you do. If you're having an intimate dinner party, you would think very carefully about who you invite to that. Whereas if you're having a big free-for-all, you know, bring anyone you like and bring other people along as well, then you might be more liberal with your invitations. And, and you think about that naturally, whereas with Facebook, you may not think about which group of friends does this person belong to. Yeah, and and that partitioning, although that's something that's more apparent to you rather than the people who are your friends, so they can't see the way you've divided up your your friends into partitions, so they're not necessarily aware that uh, you're you're being more intimate with one group of friends than another. That's right, and that's actually that's actually a positive thing that your friends don't see which circle they belong to or which how close they are to you. But it does mean that, for example, that. Previously, Facebook didn't allow that. So all your friends could see all your photos, for example, mm. and you may, you may choose not to do that. Let's say your ex, you invited them as a friend, and they commented on one of your photos, and they commented on your wall, and other friends saw that, and maybe your current partner saw that and was then offended because you'd exposed your photos of perhaps you know, like social events that were quite intimate and close to somebody who is now an ex. So that sort of contact can happen inadvertently. And you just got to be careful about that. Yeah. 
Okay, moving on to the next one then. The, the rule that Wyatt had uh, posited was that you should friend your boss, but not your boss's boss. And the advice that they're giving is that you should, um, on social networking websites, you should respect the corporate hierarchy of your, work, of your workplace when you're friending or following colleagues. And th th so they say that as such, linking with your immediate boss is permissible, but that's about as far as you should go. So, And you should also uh, follow your CEO's tweets, for example. So in the past when we've spoken about social networks, we haven't uh, given the same sort of advice. We've, in fact, we've disagreed. We've said that uh, different social networks provide different kinds of connections. So as I said earlier, Facebook's generally for internal networking with family and friends, whereas Twitter is for just tweeting interesting thoughts out to the entire Twitter sphere. And uh, LinkedIn is for more for external networking amongst uh, professional networks. So when it comes to friending people from work, then you should uh, friend your boss on Facebook if your boss is actually a friend, if it's someone who you consider to be a friend. And you should follow your CEO tweets if she has something interesting to say on Twitter. Um, so just having a general rule about friending your boss but not your boss's boss, it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of rule. I agree with you, Chris. I, I agree. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Let me add a couple of distinctions to that. I actually agree with Wyatt's advice that you should follow your CEO's tweets, regardless of whether they're interesting or boring. Not because necessarily you're trying to suck up to them and show that you're a follower, but simply because, just from a workplace point of view, I think more and more now, people are expected to become free agents. In other words, they, they have responsibility for their own jobs and careers, even if they're employed. It's always nice to know what's happening in the corporate hierarchy and, and what your CEO is tweeting about. So I think just for the, you know, even if they're boring tweets and you ignore most of them, it's worthwhile just in case something interesting comes up, which might, which might help you in your career path. The thing about your boss's boss, I, um, I agree with you. I don't think you necessarily have to follow the corporate hierarchy. And I totally agree with you that you should only friend your boss if they're a friend. And similarly with your boss's boss, if they're a friend. And it can be very dangerous and um, sometimes very career limiting to friend work colleagues and especially work superiors uh, without thinking again about the consequences. And people have lost their jobs through inappropriate things they've said on Facebook. Um, they've lost their job by posting inappropriate photos. So you've got to be very careful about who you do connect on a network like Facebook. Yeah. Okay, so the next one um, is, the, again, the, so the rule that Wired suggested was never unfollow someone just because they unfollowed you. And this applies specifically to Twitter, so not so much with Facebook where you might be friends with somebody and they delete you from the friends list, which automatically deletes that connection. Um, and I think the same applies with LinkedIn. You, you delete that connection. But Twitter is two-way. So you can follow somebody on Twitter, and generally they will follow you back. But you know, I just think it's a, it's a weird convention. I, I never really understood why this was the case. It's people who follow that rule believe that everybody has to be equal on Twitter, and I just don't think that's the case. So some people feel slighted. They feel offended uh, if you remove them from your follow list. So if you unfollow them, and they, they immediately retaliate by doing the same thing. Um, there are even people who have written a little Twitter application program that monitors all the people that are following you, and if any one of them stops following you, they unfollow, then automatically 
this little Twitter application will unfollow them in return. And I just think that's silly, it's stupid. I follow people because I'm interested in what they say. It's just like subscribing to their blog or their podcast or their email newsletter. And it doesn't automatically mean that they should be interested in what I say and vice versa. I've had people who actually have done this with email newsletters as well, that I've been a subscriber to the newsletter and I'm no longer interested in what they're saying for whatever reason. And then when I unsubscribed, they immediately unsubscribed from mine and said, well, if you're not going to follow me, if you're not going to be a subscriber, well, what's the point of me subscribing to you? And I just think that's silly. I just don't think that makes sense. You should be following based on value, not based on whether they're following you in return. Yeah, so we came up with a better rule, which was simply never follow someone just because they follow you. Follow them because they have something interesting to say. Yeah, that's correct, Chris. And I would go further than that. And the way that I mainly use Twitter is as a research tool. So it's not to send stuff out and not as a marketing tool, but as a research tool. So when I say I go further, I, I reinforce that message, follow somebody because they've got interesting things to say. Twitter is one of the ways that I filter the information overload. So I follow people because I respect their opinion and um, I don't care whether they're following me or not because I'm using it as an information filter so that I get relevant information from people that I respect and trust. Okay. All right. Well, the next rule was you can reinvent yourself on, online. So what Wide was saying there is that if you've got an online digital persona that's a bit of a, an albatross around your neck, then you can simply rebrand yourself in cyberspace. But I think the author's being a bit hopeful there in that um, even though you can delete your Facebook account, and uh, Twitter recently came out with a new set of terms and conditions which stated that your tweets were yours, so that if you deleted your Twitter account, then your tweets were gone. They were permanently erased. Um, but there are plenty of third-party websites whose uh, mission is to archive as much of the Internet as, as possible. Uh, the, the most well-known one of those is the Wayback Machine, which I think is now called um, archive.org. I'm not entirely sure, but it doesn't matter. We'll provide a link to that. Um, and so that website has um, archives of various Internet websites going back, uh, way back in time, hence the name Wayback Machine. So even if you do delete your Facebook account and your Twitter accounts, then it doesn't mean that um, your digital albatross has uh, been erased. There are still records of uh, that persona lying around. It might be more difficult to find, but they are still there. So really prevention is better than cure. So the best way to not have to resort to rebranding yourself some way, somehow is to try and behave yourself in the first place. Yeah, Chris, I, t I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that rule that if you, if you have an online reputation as a positive one, then please just make sure that you do everything to keep it positive and behave yourself so that it doesn't um, so you don't destroy your reputation. But however, I do have something else to say about this point, and I kind of get the idea behind Wyatt's comment, that if you have, if it's already too late and you already have damaged your reputation in some way or you've built up a Facebook profile where you're just connected with everybody that you could possibly connect with and you don't want to, you don't want to delete them all, well, look, I think there's some value to this rebranding idea. Just delete your account, abandon it, and start start afresh. Not so much because you want to hide anything, because as you said, you can't hide it, but you may just want to start afresh and start with you know, just the people that you now want to connect with. And, you know, I've seen stats that say that up to like 60% of Twitter accounts people have joined and never used. Um, so there are people who just get on there because they want to try these things out, and the, the 
price of entry, the, the, the barriers of entry are low and the price of entry is low. So people will sometimes just try these things out. And we've, in fact, recommended a number of times just get online and try this, some of these things out. And some people may have just created not necessarily a poor reputation, but maybe just a, an average reputation, and they just want to start afresh. So I think there is some value in that. But I do take, I do take your point, and I would highly recommend that behave yourself, absolutely, and prevention is better than cure. Yeah. Okay, so the, the next one, in fact, is the last one on our list. The Wired article is that you should seek out your co-workers on Facebook and friend them. And I think that we've, we've covered this partly already. I think we say that your online friendships should reflect your real-life friendships. So you, the people that you friend on Facebook are your friends. That's the rule that I've always followed. But I'm just wondering, Chris, whether we're now getting to the stage where that's become old-fashioned thinking. And maybe it is now becoming more acceptable to make friendships online with people that you don't know and they may turn into offline friendships eventually rather than the other way around and maybe they'll always permanently remain online friendships but they could be you know strong friendships it could be people that you do consider your friends even though you've never met them yeah i think i think that's happening all the time and has been going on even you know way back when uh, the internet was just email and uh, the world wide web hadn't hadn't even uh, been been started i think the wide article was pushing the idea that um, you can do team building by seeking out your co- your co-workers so they were sort of saying you can fake a bit of camaraderie um, you know, mate up, buddy, buddy your co-workers, and that'll help build uh, camaraderie at work. And it seemed to me that that was just a, a bad use of Facebook, um, because they were talking about Facebook in particular. It was a, a poor use of Facebook. You sh- should really have on Facebook uh, friends that uh, are genuine friends, um, and do team building at work instead. Yeah, I agree, Chris. I think, you, I think you're exactly right. So that, that advice that Wired was giving was putting the cart before the horse. Mm. So absolutely, um, be friends with people who, are, who you consider your friends. And, and you're right. Facebook shouldn't be the first place that you start doing team building. Unless these are strangers that you connect with and for some reason you've connected with them. And in that case, there can be people who you then develop those friendships with. But I, I agree with you. If they are real-life people, then you should be connecting with them in real life first. And if you if you engage with them, especially in the workplace, you would engage with them and build up camaraderie, teamwork, friendship first offline rather than relying on an online, distant, remote tool to do that. Yeah. Having said that, as someone who telecommutes to work, then um, it's difficult for me to build up camaraderie with my uh, co-workers, who most, most of whom are in, in the UK. But then, I mean, I'm still – the camaraderie I develop with them has been through – uh, work interactions, albeit uh, electronic, uh, via via the internet, um, not via Facebook. So, what about Facebook? Are they now your friends on Facebook as well? They are. Yep. Some of them, I, some of those who, with whom I've become friends, colleagues with whom I've become friends, have or have also become buddies on Facebook. I think that's the key, isn't it? You said some of them are and some of them aren't. So you've made that distinction and you've done that deliberately and intentionally, rather than just following that one size fits all rule. Yes, my boss, but not my boss's boss. Um, and again, my boss, he's a, he's a guy that I did work with side by side and, and, and I consider a buddy. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, Graham, g'day. And, um, um, but, uh, yeah, that's because of a genuine friendship as opposed to sucking up to my boss kind of thing. Yep, yep. So that's, that's a good, good rule of thumb, Chris. So I, I think, yeah, we disagree with you applying that across the board, which is probably the way that we would apply, that we would, the advice that we would give 
for all these wired rules. And I think it's always the case whenever anyone comes up with a set of rules, it's easy to find exceptions. And we've tried to pick ideas uh, and principles that where we disagree is not because it's an exception that we're disagreeing to. It's because we actually disagree with the rule in principle, and we may have a little, a slight twist on that that might make it more applicable and more relevant. But yes, when it comes to uh, rules for behaving online, I think uh, that uh, the Focal Point podcast should be your first port of call. And uh, even so, have a have a look at the wide article that uh, we've referred to in these last two podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just be aware that there are new rules required and what you think might work intuitively uh, may not be appropriate in the online world. And just be, just be a bit more careful. Think about who you're friending on Facebook, whether you're just going to unfollow people because there's a nice little app that lets you do that automatically, um, who you make connections with on LinkedIn and what you say to them. Uh, there is this idea of computer rage, which is a little bit like road rage, where sometimes people sitting behind a computer screen would type and say things that they wouldn't say face-to-face. And I think if you're looking for a rule of thumb about how you act in this online world, one of the best ways to get started is to think about if this person was face-to-face with me and I was having a face-to-face interaction, how would I deal with them then, and apply that as a starting point for how you deal with them online. Okay, so uh, for more of these good suggestions and rules, what should people do, Gihan? Well, I think the first thing is uh, make sure that you remain subscribed to the Focal Point podcast, and, and, and we'll have a link to the Wired article as well, so you can see their opinions as well as just ours. All right, and uh, we'll have another podcast for our listeners in about a fortnight's time. Will do. Thanks, Chris. Speak to you then, Gihan. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.